Welcome to the Language Games Podcast. My name is John Kaus. Today is part four of our Van Til's Apologetic series. We turn now to the two kinds of questions that control all apologetical situations. Last week, I defined apologetics as setting forth the truth of Christianity. Now, when you do this setting forth or giving this reason, you know, for the truth of Christianity, it's in response to questions that are asked. And these questions fall into really two buckets. The first would be, be more defensive. This is where you are neutralizing an objection given to Christianity. And the objection is, let's assume a Christian, uh, Christianity is true, and then there's some problem follows from that. And this is an internal and external problem. So we start with Christianity. We say, let's assume it's true. What follows from that is some internal contradiction. Okay, like the attributes of God are inconsistent with each other. Here's something like that. And, and then, so, so they object, and then you got to try to, you know, show that it's not a contradiction. The next one is you assume Christianity is true, but then what follows is some external contradiction. So there's something in the world that we think is, we know to be true, some fact, and that is in conflict with Christianity. And so then, therefore, by modus tollens, Christianity then is false. And we'll go through some examples of this. So, so the internal would be like Genesis 1 and 2 contradict. Uh, the resurrection accounts and the Gospels contradict. The existence of evil contradicts God's uh, attributes. The Old Testament God contradicts the New Testament God. The concept of the Trinity is illogical. Those would all be internal contradictions. Some external would be the Bible is inconsistent with archaeological evidence. Uh, geological evidence is contrary to a worldwide flood. DNA contradicts the Bible's claims of, of human beings or man being unique. Uh, distant starlight undermines Genesis 1. An Einsteinian view of physics undermines the Bible, and so on. Okay, so these are all defensive. We're assuming the truth of Christianity, and then all we have to do, though, in response, is just show that this uh, contradiction, seemingly, you know, this supposed contradiction, isn't actually a contradiction. There is no conflict here. And what you'll notice is that, for the most part, these responses are the same whether you are an evidentialist or a Vantillian. There is some distinction in certain objections because Vantillians tend to be uh, Reformed, tend to be Calvinists, and evidentialists tend to be Arminians. Um, but for the most part, and Vantill would, would say this, that uh, evidentialists have done great work for the church in apologetics, whether it's defending the historicity of the resurrection or other parts of the Bible. And so he's not against using those resources to answer these objections. So the division between the two apologetical camps is not really over this first uh, bucket of, of uh, questions. It's the second, which we I'll call offensive. And here we're, we're proving Christianity now. So now the... the Objection is not, well, let's assume Christianity is true, and then here's some problem that follows from it. It's, how do you know Christianity is true? Do you have some good reason that it's true? And when we go here, there are two ways to go on this. You can go the evidential route, where in the evidential route is now you're proving Christianity through uh, the use of probability or neutrality. You're, you're exalting man's experience uh, as your starting point, and then you get to eventually that God exists. Now, in contrast to this, and we'll, we'll get into evidential apologetics in a, in a series down the road where 
I'll lay it out and then I'll critique it. Uh, we, won't, we won't do that now. We're going to go into Van Til now. But in contrast to this, the Van Tilian apologetic is we're proving Christianity with certainty. So either prove it with probability or prove it with certainty. Van Til's approach is to, is to prove it with certainty. And Van Til's approach is a proof. Okay, it is an argument and is one that claims to, be, to present uh, certainty uh, in, in our knowledge. Now, before we get into that, it's important to address the requirement that exists, uh, that Peter gives to, I think, all Christians in 1 Peter 3.15. So we've, we've looked at this before, but it says, it reads, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you, with meekness and fear. Now, this answer to every man, I think the context would be that this is, this is required. God expects this of all Christians. So we need to be able to do this. Give an answer to every man. But the question becomes, what answer? Like, and how sophisticated should the answer be? Well, I think if you look through this, the answer can't be that sophisticated. Because the more sophisticated you get, then you get into, well, how do, you, how do you answer in a sophisticated way the analytic philosopher's objection? How do you answer the logician's objection? How do you answer you know, the scientist's objection? And it, it becomes pretty unreasonable quickly to expect everyone to be able to, to provide an answer in, you know, to, to that level of detail with all those uh, specialities. So I, I think, and we're going to get into... Uh, that, that distinction later as we go into different verses. But for here, the answer, I think, needs to be correct, needs to be one that's irrefutable, but also one that applies to every man, no matter what his training is, either the person giving the answer or the person receiving it. And we get, uh, we have some verses here that talk about the certainty that Christians are given. So 1 John 4, 19 says, we love him because he first loved us. John 10, uh, 27 says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Romans 8, 16 says, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So if someone comes up to any Christian and asks him, what is the reason for the hope that is in you? Your answer is, the creator of the world testifies to me that I am his child. What better evidence could I want than that. There is no evidence that can be stronger than the creator of the world telling me that I am his child. What could man conjure up to undo that? Nothing. If the creator of the world testifies to me that I am his child, there's nothing you can say to undo that. It is in this sense then irrefutable. You cannot touch that. McCarthy uh, mentions this in the, the book The Crossing in I think a, a really powerful way. He says, nor does God whisper through the trees. This is when, he, when God speaks to people uh, to, to save them. His voice is not to be mistaken. When men hear it, they fall to their knees and their souls are riven and they cry out to him. And there is no fear in them, but only that wildness of heart that springs from such longing. And they cry out to stay his presence for they know at once that while godless men may live well enough in their exile, those to whom he has spoken can contemplate no life without him, but only darkness and despair. God's voice is clear. There is nothing stronger to testify of his existence than him speaking to you. And then, obviously, then there's nothing that can undo that. 
And Van Til says this of his own of his own faith. He says, "I believe in this God because He Himself has told me in the Bible who He is, what I am, and what He in Christ and by the Holy Spirit has done for me." So, what is the answer that we can give that is irrefutable? There's no way to undermine it. There's no way that I should rationally want to, you know, give it up. That I can give to every man. It is that the creator of the world testifies to me that I am his child. I am doing apologetics by giving this answer. And there's nothing an unbeliever can do to undermine this. I may fail at giving Van Til's argument. I may fail at doing other things. But no one, no one can take this from me. And this is comforting because sometimes when we get into apologetics and we're giving arguments, you may have a bad day and you messed up the argument. Okay? Or, or you may get into a rut as you're working through some problem, you don't have the solution to it. Well, is your faith dependent on your ability to answer every objection? Of course not. Okay, well, what is it? What does it rest on? It rests on God redeeming your life and speaking to you, testifying to you that you are his child. That is what your faith rests on. And it is knowledge. And it is certain, and it cannot be refuted. That is apologetics, giving that to, to, to someone else, that answer. Now, that's not all apologetics is, of course. We have other scriptures that talk about apologetics that I think is more narrow, though, in, as far as application. I don't think, you know, uh, old people in a nursing home who love Jesus should, be, should have to answer to analytic philosophers and what their objections are, okay, <laughs> or, or some, some logician. Um, but there are scriptures, though, I think, uh, command Christians who are called to this service to do apologetics at much greater depth, to take back those fields and to have answers to those people. And we're going to get into, into that next week. All right, well, that's it for this week. Next week, uh, we'll get into specifically, you know, as we go deeper into apologetics and we answer more of these objections from anyone, uh, what, and this is using Van Til's apologetic, what do, what do Van Til and Bonson say about Van Til's apologetic? What are the key aspects of this apologetic? That's what we'll go through next time. For more content like this, you can find us on x at underscore language games.